Today's episode of Lee Summit Town Hall is brought to you by Julia E. Hampton, CPA PC. Jason, it's the end of the quarter. There's a lot going on. I, guess, I need help. All right, so here's the deal. If you understand what the end of the quarter means, you might not need Julia Hampton, but you should hire her anyway. If you don't understand and you have a business, you don't understand what the end of the second quarter means, you definitely need to give Julia Hampton a call. Because there is some paperwork that is required at the end of each fiscal quarter. And it ain't easy. It's not easy. And you should always hire a professional. Than, especially if you're me, because you know I'm just going to screw it all up. So you may think of a CPA as the person you call in the time frame between the end of the year and April 15th to do your taxes, to get those things done. And yes... I make that call April 12th. Is right. that good? That's a perfect time to make that call because then you'll have an absolute guarantee that it won't get done in time. But if you that's a person. But however, a fine accountancy firm like Julia A. Hampton, CPA PC, can handle your finances and your tax issues all year round, dealing with those quarterly filings, the annual filings, the... Some businesses require monthly filings for payroll and deposits and things like that. And Julia has the skills, the experience, and the team to help you take care of that and get you taken care of all year long. So reach out. Contact Julia Hampton today. Let her show you what 16 years in business can do for your bottom line. Contact Julia today at julia at hamptoncpa.net. Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is drunk on his newly acquired power, and rum. It's Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. It's always rum, Jason. It's always rum. Oh, come on. Tell me you're not, like, soaking in and basking in your newfound, glorious, downtown Main Street board-elected power. Is this the part where I'm supposed to say I'm humbled? No, I think you're supposed to say, well, no, you'll be humiliated, but that'll come later. Well, that's, <laughs> that's not hard to do. Yeah. Humiliating myself is not hard to do. I am a little humbled, Jason. It was, uh, I, I did not expect the election to go the way it did. I have to be honest, and, and you are a dear friend, Nick Parker, but I didn't think you were going to win either. And so I was a little surprised, pleasantly so, and perhaps maybe I should have made it better and voted for you. Wow, man. Actually, I believe I might have asked you not to vote for me. Yeah, but I, as usual, ignored you and voted for you anyway. So, anyway, so, uh, Link to Lee Summit, that's the thing we're talking about. It is the source for all the news you need about our very fine city, and our unofficial sponsor today is a job. And jobs are the cause of, but yet also the preventer of, proper day drinking. That's true. I love nothing more, Jason, than to read and hear about New jobs. And guess what? There are 250 new jobs coming to town. This is true. Hey, that was a hell of a segue you just threw in there. I'm really impressed. Yes, so uh, Kansas City Business Journal and the Kansas City Star uh, had their had news stories out talking about a new company coming and locating here in Lee Summit. EXL is going to open a new call center out by Summit Fair off Chipman Road. 250 new jobs right here in Lee Summit. And you may say to yourself, well, what kind of jobs are those? And I'm going to tell you what kind of jobs they are. They're jobs. And in this day and age, 250 is one of the biggest new employers to come to town in several years. 
here in Lee Summit. So it is a job, is a is a coming worthy of celebration. And, and it's something that's a good thing that's happening in our community that we need to talk and say yay for. Can I do another segue to re- really trigger you? All right, go for it. 250 new jobs in town, that probably means demand for housing. Oh, well, are we really going to do that now? No. All right, no, good. we're not. Okay, no. so it was a segue to a dead end. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had, a good, I had a good segue before, so I needed to balance it out. Yeah, you just you just ruined all the goodwill you had created up with. So there is stuff going on, as you may be aware, and we will have an episode out before it happens. The 4th of July is coming up, and that means... Time to watch Independence Day. Yes! And fireworks displays. And fireworks displays. And celebrate... America. America. America! Jason, just outside of town, Powell Gardens. Have you ever been down there for the Boom and Bloom Festival? Uh, I have not, but I heard great things from a certain podcast co-host about the time they went last year. We went for the first time last year. It is awesome. You get to watch the Lee Summit Symphony play. And I have a major complaint... For the Lee Summit Symphony about this. What's that? They didn't play long enough. I wanted more. You wanted more. I wanted more. Can you not be satisfied with the bits and pieces of art that you get? No. Alright. Well, there's your complaints, Lee Summit Symphony. Play some more. Play more. You guys are awesome. You guys are great. We got we got music. We got fireworks. We got flowers. And we got America. I do have a question. I, I'm hoping one of them is listening and can email me and let me know. So, previous years... Mayor Randy Rhodes, then Mayor Randy Rhodes, would read the uh, uh, declaration. So will Mayor Bill Baird be reading this year? I'm curious. Well, I think there's two ways to find out. One is if one of those people is actually listening and will email you with an answer. And two is to go on June 30th, the Booms and Blooms, and find out for yourself if the mayor will be reading that for us. This weekend, 3 to 10, June 30th. Powell Gardens, just east of town. All right, so addition to that, of course, on the 3rd, which will be the day before, because our episode will be coming out on or right around the 4th for uh, for your listening pleasure on your holiday holiday time, uh, is June, July 3rd in the evening is Legacy Blast, Lee Summit Parks and Rec's annual fireworks celebration at Legacy Park. Nick, we can sit here and watch it from your house. Yes, we cross the street, over to the driveway across the street, park our chairs, we watch it. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can do that, or you can take the more traditional route instead of just showing up to Nick's house and go to the park and find yourself a spot and watch the fireworks. Probably the better seat is at the park. I would say almost certainly. Having, having the company house is probably year, better too. Well, especially if you and I are there, the company will almost <laughs> certainly be better Jason, at the park. We haven't talked about the biggest thing coming up for July 4th, though. And what is that? That is... The return of what next? Since this is year two, we can now call it annual. The Lee Summit Town Hall Annual America episode. That's true. And what, you ask, is more American than sitting around talking about booze with guys in the neighborhood? I tell you, nothing. (laughs) We had a lot of fun last year. Uh, We sat down with Seth who is the owner of Libations, and Nigel, who is the... Is he official or unofficial? I'm going to call him the unofficial I think ambassador official. to downtown Lee he, Summit Drinking Establishment. Yeah, he doesn't get paid for it, so... No. I think that makes it unofficial. No. We did that last year because, like this year, it was a midweek July 4th holiday, and we just were looking for something to talk about and do, so we sat down again with them, 
Last year, Seth told us about a book he was reading on cocktails from the colonial era. This year, he's going to tell us about three people who saved the great American cocktail. So there you and go. as for you and I and Nigel, eh, we're just there. We're there, mostly talking about booze. Yeah. Something we all know probably too much about. And it was a great time, too, for us to also just talk about all the great things going on around downtown and around the uh, the industry there. Yep, so that was a good thing. All right, so... We now teased, for something important. We teased it last week, and we, your gracious podcast hosts, would not let you down. And so this week is our first review from the Taco Review Board. It's for science. It's for science. It is a it is a an obligation that we have placed upon ourselves, but we take very, very seriously, and we will very seriously go... To each and every place in this fine city that serves a good, it serves a taco. And we're gonna tie that, try those tacos, and we're gonna tell you about it and why it's good. Not just for science; it's for the people. I. This is the part where, if we had a decent producer, we'd have like America music in the background. But we, we have a bad. We have bad. We have a we have a mediocre producer who does not give us America sounds in the background, Nick. But there we go. All right, so this where'd week, we go? Uh, by random draw, uh, literally, I pulled up and asked my phone to give me a random number, uh, and we hit the list, and we went to El Potro, uh, which is down off of 150, uh, just west of 291, uh, a lovely establishment. Then we went down there and we ordered up some tacos, um, and and we have some things to say about the tacos. So they have on their menu. A, a fair variety of tacos that you could get. You can get your, we'll call them traditional American crispy corn shell taco. They've got uh, more traditional street taco type tacos with the corn, the soft corn tortilla with a variety of different fillings. They had an al pastor, or there was an al pastor. There are, as we tried, deep fried tacos. Uh, and then the one other one that was on their menu were, were what they called tacos el carbon. Uh, which was uh, beef and bacon and, and all kinds of deliciousness all packed in there. So, Nick, right, are you ready for my review? What's your review? My official review? Mm-hmm. Yes! Okay, so let's start this, and I want to say this in the very clearest thing. There may not be any such thing as a bad taco. Because even a bad taco... is still a taco. And it's better than no taco. So I'm going to start with that. I'm going to say this. So all of our reviews will generally be very positive. But these were good. These were, these were, I, we walked in, I was expecting standard fare tacos. And these were better than you would expect, your standard fare Much tacos. better. And I'm going to tell you the, the, the thing that really set it apart to me is usually, I have a strong theory that's played out over time. When you sit down and they bring you the chips and salsa to the table. If the salsa is really good, chances of really good food coming with the entree, lower. That's an interesting theory. I had never thought about it before until you mentioned it while we were while we were taking science very seriously. Right. However, this disproved my theory because the tacos were fantastic. And Jason, beyond the tacos, there was one other thing. Other that blew me out of the water. I know what they are, so bring it. The beans. Okay. The pinto beans was a tiny bowl 
of glorious. Of pure Joy. Pinto Baracho glory. They were they were fantastic. Now, this is a taco review, and so we're gonna get back to our tacos. But we want to know if you just went and got yourself a big old bowl of beans. Now, while you might not make the people around you happy in the long term, the beans are an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Perhaps the best flavor of those beans I've had in the city of Lee Summit. Now, because we're just two well-rounded guys. And by that, you mean we're round. Right. Right. We have no culinary training. No. We have no experience as expert food reviewers. Really, honestly, the only thing we've done is eat a lot. Right. So I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of fancy words and, and, and big talk other than to say, go there, order the tacos, you won't be disappointed, and order the pinto beans. Yeah, get get the bracho beans. They are totally worth it. I will say this, the El, the taco El Carbon was very interesting because it had, it had steak, it had some bacon, so you got those flavors, so you got a little bit of smoky, a little bit of the steak thing, and then the avocado that they put with it really did the trick and made it a really good, well-rounded taco experience. So I will very much recommend those. Um, the fried tacos were also quite tasty. Um, they're an interesting little twist on your traditional your traditional taco um, that gives it a little bit more interest and texture, and they were pretty good as well. But go, get some tacos, get whatever you want, but make sure you get those borracho beans. And I think we have one more thing we have to remember. We did take with us an honorary member. And we look we look for a guest every week. Right. This week you found the guest very close to home. Yeah, it was uh it was my son. Yep, Charlie. What Charlie linked to Lee Summit. And he said, Dad, I need to go too. Now Charlie is not a fan of tacos, so I I'm a failure as a father. Right. Okay, I'm gonna say this is that Charlie's not a fan of lots of food. Yeah. He is what yeah. we might call a picky eater. However, he judges and ranks his Mexican restaurants on the quality of the rice. He loves Mexican rice. All right. And his review of the rice, which I will concur with and perhaps even be a little bit more strongly positive, was it's pretty good. Pretty darn good. He, Matter of fact, now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin what's to come, because this was our first stop. But he does rank this as his number two Mexican place. The, the rice was that good. There you go. So he was not a fan of the green onions, but I think that's just because he's not a fan of green onions. And, and that's going to change over time. I mean, right. you know, look, not many 11-year-olds love the onions. I have one that did 11, but he was definitely on the end of the bell curve for food liking. Right. But, uh, so just to short it out, the rice was good. The beans were fantastic. The tacos were very good. I got to say, you won't go wrong if you go to El Pocho. And if you would like to be a guest member of the Taco Review Board, start bribing us now. Jason, before we get to our favorite episode, let's have a word from one of our sponsors. Time for a commercial. This week, we're brought to you by Stewie McBrews, who reminds you, never eat more than you can lift. Jason, Friday night, downtown Lee Summit Art Walk. We were down there, we were walking around, talked to a lot of people. Saw some great art. I might have seen some gorilla art happening. Googly eyes appearing all over downtown. Oh, I thought you meant like gorillas walking. No. No, I gotcha. No. Alright. I made a mistake that night. What was that? I did not heed Stewie's warning. 
And what was Stewie's warning? I ate more than I could lift. Really? And nachos were just so good. I saw a, a social media post by our fine sponsors of Stewie's Brews was talking about accidentally dropping spicy balls on nachos. Yeah, I and I, I need to send a message to them about that. Because they should have printed that before I got there because I would have added them. Well, now you know. Here's the thing. And perhaps, if your hands are full and you can only lift so many things, you can condense by adding your spicy ball order to your nachos. Then you have one thing, and that's one fewer hand you need to lift the food that you can eat. So what I just heard was this. Stewie's challenge accepted. Jason will be there next week. And you should, too, head out to Stewie McBrews. Tell him Jason Nixon. Turn to as the council turns. It's budget week. Yay! Now, budget, by, budget, 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 by budget. By budget week, I mean on the calendar, on the, uh, the agenda for council, in the consent agenda, because it passed unanimously on first reading last time, will be the full budget for the city of Lee Summit, Missouri for the next fiscal year on the consent agenda. And coming in, right as the fiscal year ends. Right. So not a lot of time. This could not go any farther. Right. They got to get, they have to pass a budget on Thursday, but they seem to be well aligned. They've had a lot of discussion. We've had a lot of discussion about their lot of discussion. We've talked about it at great length, but it looks like the end result, eh, not so much. There's not a lot changing. There's not a lot of new stuff to say. Now, if this were the previous council body or two, I might still be on the edge of my seat waiting for something crazy to happen when when the when the vote for the consent agenda comes up. And there are sitting members of this council who have been known to pull things off of the consent agenda. That's true. But I feel like this body, so far, has been making a concerted effort to operate a little differently. That being said, Jason, after all of the noise going on about this budget as it started, let me tell you something. This is what the result is. Wait, hold on. Before you get there, I'm on a literary reference. The budget has had its hour upon the stage. Sound and fury signifying nothing. There it goes. I'm done. I'm out. Shakespeare. Out! Yeah, I've ruined you. Yeah, <laughs> that was unplanned. I was like, that was so highbrow. I think I've ruined the entire podcast. <laughs> Good night, folks. So, but basically, here's the sum up: the budget's pretty much the same as last year, which means no raises, no, no. raises for you, no raises for you, no raises for anybody. Which makes me wonder: will any more be said? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I don't think there'll be a lot said this week. I think what's going to happen is that if the same ethos has been running through the whole product as we've, as we've started with this, this relatively uh, concerted effort to uh, work with one another and work in a more productive way, I think there's enough people who would like there to be 
some progress in the compensation front that they're going to work towards that over the course of the year to try to get something and perhaps not cloak it in the hysterics of the pre-election and the crisis language. Right. And I would imagine, too, that what we're going to find out is when it comes time for the represented groups to begin negotiations again, we're going to hear more talk of this and we're going to hear talk of plans of how to get to a point where those raises can be paid for. Right. So, Which is a, by the way, the right thing to do. Absolutely. So I think you'll see in there, we'll, we'll work that out. But there are... Um, it, it, it's just all this hubbub and flim-flam and yelling and screaming and whatnot. And we are almost exactly where we were a year ago. On a personal note, I'm going to say I'm glad it's kind of ending this way because I feel like people are being more responsible in their actions and their language. However, there's also a bit of a letdown after all of the hysterics language that we heard coming up to the election. Right. And, and to me, that says that maybe we should skip the hysterical language and really could have, you know, we might have actually had a problem solved or a problem addressed in some functional way in this budget had we not had all the hysterics to do everything right now in the right. run to the election. Right. So hopefully that's a lesson learned and, and we can move forward from there. There is something, though, Jason, coming up this week that is going to lend itself probably to some discussion. Oh, man, I saw this come up on the agenda and I looked at it and I thought to myself, wow, wow, this is a an impressive piece of uh conceptual request that's going in front well, of the council. Well, let, well, let's set this up a little bit. Oh, what right. we're talking about are incentives requests. And all of our budget talks usually come back to this, to public-private partnerships, to incentives, and what's given out to different groups. This is a development, proposed development, over off of Chipman, the West... The Streets of West Prior is the current name. Is the current is the current name. <laughs> They are coming to council this week, Jason, with a laundry list of incentive requests. All right, so here's the point where I want to pull you back. This is a what they're calling a conceptual incentive request. So this is the broadest strokes, the biggest sort of umbrella number and pretty pictures without a ton of the meat and the real dollar figures that you get into. However... There are plenty of numbers and things to work in here that we're going to talk about at this. But just to be clear, it's not a law. It's not an actual contract that the city's signing. Nobody's binding anything to, we're not binding any kind of money in any direction on Thursday. This is an opportunity as part of the city's normal incentive process where they come to the city council and they say, this is the framework that we would like to operate in. And they get the sort of the tentative blessing, go forth with uh, money or taxpayer goods or whatever, and create a plan that comes forward. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of details here. But essentially, Jason, what you're going to tell us in a little bit is that this is, they are asking for about 20% of their investment, correct? Well, I will say this. They're asking for 20% of what they're claiming the, quote, total project investment is. Now, and we're, we'll get to those details. I'm, I'm really just using that to set up. In the city's process, 
So this is, as you just said, this is a conceptual request just kind of to say, here's the arena we're looking to play in. How much tends to differ between when they present the conceptual and they get feedback, and if the city, the council says, yeah, okay, how much changes typically between when they make, come back and make the actual request? I mean, it depends on the okay they get. I mean, so they may get a, I'm not comfortable with this number or that number, or I don't want this type of incentive used in this particular purpose, or we need to match up, you know, this thing with uh, public improvement or something of that nature. So, all right. So just as a very, very short background, this was, is the area is um, angled by Pryor and 470. It's on the west side of Pryor at 470. Just across from Summit Woods. Right, immediately west of Summit Woods. And so this is, a, it came up in front of Planning Commission and the Council as part of a rezoning by the staff to sort of give a conceptual framework for the kind of development they would like to see in this area because it's it's one of the few good highway frontages left in Lee Summit um, that you can really get on that's not controlled by the Mormon Church uh, and, and really be as a gateway or as a big shiny thing that's going to be on the highway as you come in. So there's some importance there. And the, the staff concept centered on a hotel convention space, uh, some multifamily housing, uh, a grocery store, some restaurant, and retail. All right, well, so let's, that, that's what has come back in the past and, and has no binding impact, but that's the thing that's there. So this that is, is the, a real thing. That is the, real development. the development concept. Right, that the staff put together. Right. So now let's go back through, Jason. What are they, what's the concept of incentives they're asking for? Oh, well, I would say this. This is one of, and I'm going to try to put this in non-pejorative terms. This is one of the most aggressive incentive packages that I've seen in recent memory in Lee Summit. Okay, so they are asking for what I'll call the full alphabet soup. They are asking for TIF, tax increment financing. They're asking for a community, or, yeah, um, sorry, community improvement district with a sales tax. They're asking for a transportation development district with a sales tax boost. They're asking for a sales tax exemption under Chapter 100, and they're asking for some fixed property taxes as well under that same chapter. In addition, and what I think is a first that I can remember in Lee Summit, they're asking for a partial rebate of the hotel, the bed and industry tax, hotel and industry tax that's charged on hotel rooms in the city. So they want some sort of a rebate of some or all of that tax going forth. The numbers I hear in the scuttlebutt is about half of that tax that they want rebated back to them for their costs. So that is a, that's basically everything they have available to them uh, on that piece of land that they could work with. That's pretty much looking at the list of incentives the city can, can offer and saying we want a little bit of all of them. Right. I think there may be one or two, like a chapter 353 or something in there, but they've, they're not leaving much unturned here. In that. They're checking a lot of the boxes. So they're claiming that they're going to have a total project investment. I'm going to use those in the, you can hear the air quotes, total project investment of $150 million. And they're asking for somewhere between $25 and $30 million in incentives on this thing. That's a pretty steep number, at least as I can tell. And so that doesn't include, by the way, whatever savings they may or may not realize from purchasing a couple of pieces of city-owned land that are part of that parcel 
that are there. So I don't, and that's not in any of this conceptual form. I have no records on it, but I'm assuming they're not asking to pay full full retail for those for that acreage that they're they're sitting on at that point. So this is a lot of things, and and so I think it raises a couple of of key questions. Well, I think the first one to me, and I, and I'm going to use this as a way to really circle back to how incentives have worked their way into a lot of conversations that we've had on the show, whether we've been talking about the elections, when when the mayoral candidates brought up discussions of incentives, when we talked about budget planning for this next fiscal year, and they brought up incentives and how those worked. Here's my biggest question that comes with this. Incentives at their core are used to attract and lure development to areas where there is none or hasn't been for a long time. Mm -hmm. Couldn't we say that in the area of Prior Road and 470, the proof of concept is there? We have two very successful commercial developments going on. Does the city really need to be giving incentives, especially at 20% of investment, to get development to happen? Okay, and I think that's a question the, the city council has to address. And I will be interesting to, interested to hear if Mayor Baird, following his comments in our forum, that most of these incentive plans don't pay for themselves, how he addresses that, if, if he has comments or questions related on that, is how is the city going to recover that investment over time, and how is that going to benefit the city going forward? So it'll be interesting to see if he asks that question. Um, and what the answer is when he does. And there are others on the dais that have, over the years, one in particular over many, many years... Wait, you mean the career politician Bob Johnson? Over many, many years has been not necessarily a very good proponent of incentives, has has spent a long time questioning their use and whether or not they're valid. So I'm curious, and not just him. There are others on the dais that have done this too. So I'm very curious to see what questions they have for the developer on this about the validity of the ask. Right, and I think, you know, and, and it's worth looking at our newest uh, council member, Mayor Pro Tem, uh, has, this is the first one of these big picture things that he's seen on there, and so it'll be interesting to see how he tackles it and how he views them and the questions he asks to really kind of circle around on that. So I think that's one. And, and I think the, the answer from the developer is going to be interesting to me too because I, I understand, and this is just this is really, really my own question here, I understand that incentives are how the game is played now. But as a developer... What are their answers going to be for that big of an ask? Right. And and then I'll, I will raise this following question as well. I think, you know, I'm fairly pro-incentive and I'm going to fall probably a little stronger on the side of is this, when you're trying to attract business to an area that has not or does not seem to want to develop or in a sector or wherever that you want, then incentives make a lot of sense to bring in something that wouldn't otherwise occur. You now, remember, want, these are always centered around the word blight. Right. And and you want that you want this development to occur in this area where it wouldn't otherwise occur or in a sector it might not otherwise occur. And the city incentivizes that to draw that development in and get that to happen. And I think that you, you kind of said, we've got the proof of concept. We gave the big tax incentives for Summit Woods. 
which had, by the way, fully paid off early. Early. Uh, early is a key word on that one. Summit Fair seems to be in, you know growing steadily stronger and stronger, and it may... It seems to be taking care of itself now. It needed some help through the recession, um, but it seems moving. So that corridor, that 50 Highway, 470, 3rd Street, or Chipman Road, that whole area, has shown that it can support a pretty significant amount of commercial development. It would be a nice commercial core. But we, and so at a certain point, I would think that the council's desire to give large incentive packages would be limited. In that, and I would incur, I would, I would agree with that as a thing. But I think, even beyond that, there's a threshold. How much is too much incentive to ask? There is a judge when I was a baby lawyer um, there who used to use the following phrase: "When a pig becomes a hog, he gets slaughtered." <laughs> okay, uh, is this amount? Is this twenty percent, thirty million dollars? worth of incentives that they're asking for is that hog level or is that pig level well let's go back jason to to the words we use at the beginning let's go back to concept some of the things you brought up the original concepts for this development included grocery store included a convention and hotel space mm-hmm. those are things that that part of town does not have we don't well, we don't have really a convention anywhere in town but those are things that aren't there. So does that change perception? Well, okay. So yes, and on two fronts. One is, the I will say this. One of the major flaws, I think, in this plan is that the hotels do, in this plan, this conceptual plan, don't have the convention meeting space that were in the original concept, which is something I think... That has since council, been taken out. Right. It's just that's the, the picture they put together is of a couple of small hotels but no convention space focus on there. And so I think that's a major lacking point when you're coming in because I think that's something that the council was very much in favor of as a whole. Now, it's a new council, so we'll see how it Which goes. Which, again, though, is something we heard during the election from candidates about adding a convention space. Right. Okay, so that's one thing. So I think they fall short there. The grocery store argument, you know, I, I think reasonable minds can differ. Lee Summit does not necessarily suffer from a lack of grocery stores. Okay, there are two major chains with multiple locations in the city of Lee Summit, plus a health food grocery store, Sprouts, uh, plus one I believe that is going in over on the west side off of View High already. So I'm not sure that that particular development needs a grocery store um, as a community amenity that's solving a that's filling a need that we may or may not have uh but on the flip side there is no grocery store close to that the closest one is several miles away and there are there is a segment of the city that doesn't have ready access to a grocery store well if you take that and then combine it with the change to the hotel space no longer having the convention as part of it so is just adding more beds and then, by the way, asking for some of that tax related to that back, mm-hmm. is that enough? I have strong feelings. About and I didn't really mean that question for you. Right. I, I that's, the, that's, I, that's the question right. for the council, I think. And I don't think that the council has ever granted a development a rebate on the, ho- to the, bed, the hotel and industry tax. I, I do not believe that they have ever done that. So this would be a new one for them 
to do that. And and so it would be it's an interesting it's an interesting take to look at that and see where where the council may fall on that one as it goes. But that's a big question that I hope that the council has some hard questions for. So based on that, Jason, if you are listening and you want to make sure that the council addresses anything that you've got on this type, how do you contact your council member? You're going to want to go to the city's website, cityofls.net, look up their emails, send them an email. They've got their phone numbers. You can give them a call uh, to go over the things that you may have concern with or the and understand that even if they get enough of a positive answer from Thursday to go forward, this is going to be back on a couple of different fronts. Um, it's going to come back through the planning process. It'll go through planning commission and city council. It's going to have to go through on all of those different incentives are going to have their own little individual contracts, all of which are going to have to be approved. CID would have to be created. TDD has to be created. The TIF contract has to be worked out. All of those things are stuff that has to go through over and over again. So there are going to be a lot of opportunities as we go forth for the public to input on a project as ambitious in both not only its scope, but its incentive request as this one. So this is really the beginning. I mean, there's a long way to go. But what this does do is it, I think it, it sets the stage for, for the incentives they will officially be asking for and how they're going to want to structure Right. This. You could think of this as the first ask in the negotiation between the developer and the city on what the incentive and development package will look like. Jason, that's really all we have for this week. We're going to hear from one more sponsor, and then we will talk to everyone next week. Jason, you and I talk all the time about community, about getting involved in the community. And there are some businesses who really take that to heart. And one of them is located right in the heart of downtown Lee Summit, Budget Blondes. They do. They have uh, a, a really admirable commitment to doing, uh, working with local charities or local causes to, to help them, to support them as they go through it. Barely a public event goes by. And this is a blind store, so they're not exactly what I would call a really active retail space. But at every major downtown event on the fourth Fridays or what have you, they've got their doors open. And as often as not, they are working on something for a charitable cause. This is one of the reasons why I love them. They always are reaching out and doing something for other organizations around town. And last week was just another example of that. They were doing a collection for Coldwater of Lee Summit, a former past guest of this show. They were raising, or not raising, but they were raising, they were actually raising some funds for their, their new building for Coldwater. Also collecting items for their annual back to school packs that they put together. They collected more than two giant bucketfuls of supplies and darn near $300 in donations. So there you go. So they have, not only are they a fine purveyor of all kinds of stuff, including, and this is where I get to read the product, the Tableau faux iron grills for your windows and other decorative things in the house, but they're also a valuable member contributing back to those who need it the most in our community. Budget Blinds of Lee Summit, so much more than just blinds. Go downtown, see our friends, tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Thank you.
listening to Lee Summit Town Hall with hosts Jason Norberry and Nick Parker. Catch us every Wednesday at linktoleesummit.com or subscribe to Lee Summit Town Hall on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app.